Ian Rappaport says there's movement on the Jonah Williams trade front. Plus, what's going on with the Bengals' salary cap? Are they done in free agency? We'll answer that question today. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams in movement. Is he backpedaling? What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. James is doing his best to confuse me today, and he's doing so very successfully. I'm Jake Lesko. He's James Rapine. We're the hosts of the Lockdown Bengals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, covering your team every day. Go subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and hit the bell. Follow anywhere you get your podcast so that we are delivered to your devices or your playlist whenever we upload our content every day. Today, Locked On Bengals brought to you by FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit locked visit sorry fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Jonah Williams movement. I understand the joke now. Ian Rappaport indicating that <laughs> there is it was really mean. some form of movement yeah. on the Jonah Williams trade front. This feels like I agree with the Andre Parada analysis out there. It always felt like this came from Jonah's agent, but it also, to me, suggests that the Bengals are maybe willing to play ball here. They've given Jonah and his camp permission to seek a trade, to find the trade partners. That's what it feels like to me. Maybe the offers or low ball offers right now, like six round picks kind of thing, and the Bengals aren't ready to move on any of those. But Raps report, Rap Sheets report suggests that there are offers of some sort. Those conversations have materialized to some degree, which could mean that this is going to happen perhaps on a different schedule than we originally anticipated, but maybe not. Maybe it's just the start of things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's one of two things here. Either one, the Jonah Williams negotiations are all the Bengals have been focused on and they're waiting for that shoe to drop before they do all of these other moves. Or two, and the answer is probably somewhere in between, or two, this is just his agent trying to drum up some interest. That said, let's just say the Bengals were in the market for a left tackle, which is a pretty familiar position. We've talked about offensive line for many, many years, and now with Orlando Brown Jr., we don't have to talk about left tackle. Just looking at what's available, Isaiah Wynn, Taylor Lewan, Cam Fleming, Donovan Smith, George Fant, and, and not all these guys are left tackles, but just in general left or right tackle, so the tackle position. Jonah Williams wants to be a left tackle. Is he the best available? Because if he's the best available, maybe there is a market, and maybe there are multiple teams in on him that might not want or might not think that they're going to be able to get their target in the draft at the tackle position. Because Just because the consensus is that there's, let's just say, six first-round tackles, and it might not be that many, and I don't have the names in front of me, but not every team feels that way. And they may look at it and they may be going through things and say, hey, what if we could just secure Jonah Williams? We liked him in 2019. He's been pretty good. Let's see what we can get or what we have to give up to get him. So it could happen, but I would still be surprised if someone in the league valued Jonah Williams as highly as the Bengals do. As highly as the Bengals do, you wonder, 
you wonder how much the Bengals value him? I mean, obviously they think that he could play right tackle and step in and be their starter, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's quite a bit of value. But, you know, if they brought a guy in, that could change a little bit. So, so that's a conversation to probably have as it pertains to the current cap picture and are they done in free agency? Can they do a player swap? Can they trade a tackle for a tackle? Was it Bill mm-hmm. Barnwell, James? Is that who you said proposed Mackay Becton from the Jets Ooh. straight up for Jonah Williams? Mackay Becton, a left tackle who hasn't been able to get onto the field for the last few years. Jonah Williams, a guy who's been displaced from his starting left tackle job. Um change of scenery for both guys. Frank Pollock obviously knows Becton. A lot of reasons that it might make sense, and then a couple big reasons that it doesn't. Do the Jets want to take on Jonah Williams at his salary, and do the Bengals want to take on Mekhi Becton, who hasn't been able to get onto the field for two years? That one's interesting. It is, because you're right, the $12.6 million is is obviously a big part of this, but it's back-to-back 11th overall picks, Jonah Williams in 2019, Mackay Becton in 2020. Both have injury questions just at, at different times, essentially, uh, of their career. Williams played through it and has taken a ton of criticism for his play this past season. Becton's missed the past couple of years. Look, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show started. It's obviously pending physicals. Both guys would have to undergo you know, strict You'd go through them with a fine-tooth comb in all their medical records and in all of those things. But if Frank Pollock, who was there in New York when the Jets drafted Mackay Becton, thinks that Becton, much like he thinks Jonah, can make the switch from left tackle to right tackle, I would be open to this swap because you're you're filling that need with a, a top talent. I don't know how he's going to play, but he is a top talent. There's a reason he was the 11th overall pick. And so I think he's got a pretty high floor if he plays, but you're also getting rid of that 12.6 million. And that's the part of it that would be attractive to me. So would this happen? I don't know. Most of these player for player proposals are next to impossible because most GMs wouldn't even consider it. But is this one that I would be at least open to? Yeah. There's a lot of questions involved, but he's only 24 years old. I would certainly be interested in Makai Becton. Big, big questions. They all come down to the physical, like you said. And if he doesn't pass the physical, the trade doesn't happen. Some people have said, you know, the Jets would have to throw in a pick with Becton because he hasn't played for two years. On the other side, you might wonder would the Jets even be willing to give up Makai Becton for that much salary in a guy like Jonah Williams who's coming off a knee surgery. People keep talking about that. I'm not convinced this was like, I know it was a knee surgery and I don't know if there's such a thing as a minor knee surgery for an NFL player, even like the little scopes to clean knees out can be complicated and lead to to players missing time. But it sounds like it was a relatively minor procedure for Jonah just to stabilize the kneecap. So like, I don't want to overblow overstate the the knee surgery and i think that some might be doing that they just see oh knee surgery two dislocated kneecaps big knee problems right hadn't been an issue before this year i don't know if he quite deserves the injury prone label that some have assigned to him um he's gotten nicked up in in three out of four years but nicked up sure he's been able to stay on the field for the most part i i agree i wouldn't necessarily call him injury prone and what this this procedure neil elatrash did it it who performed Joe Burrow surgery, just for example, has operated on Andrew Whitworth, a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to prevent this from happening. So I I agree with you. I don't think 
I don't want to call any knee surgery minor, like you said, but uh, as knee surgeries go, this one is more on the minor side and more of a, much like Logan Wilson and T Higgins last year, you have it done now. So it doesn't give you future problems. I think that's what Jonah Williams did. Something that I thought might be done for Jamar Chase this offseason uh, with his hip, hip labrum, which we haven't heard anything about. So presumably that is not happening because if they were going to do it, they would have done it right away because those can take time to heal. Um, so, you know, that's a major aside. They did not do a surgery on Jamar Chase's hip, which must mean that it is not a long-term concern right now. I forgot Don't about that. Anybody that feels like ages that. ago. It, it was God. a very long time ago. Wow. But there's a player for player trade idea. Some other people today, James, were talking about after the Jets signed uh, Hardman, Nicole Hardman. Do I have that yep. right? Yep. That, that the Bengals could do a pick swap for Elijah Moore, who has since headed off to the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people are getting creative. People are looking at the Jets, looking at that third round pick the Jets just acquired as, as part of that trade. And uh, talking about the Jets still. As as a trade target for Jonah Williams, fine, that's fine. I I think the Becton one's interesting, and and it does seem at least semi realistic. The Jets are going to find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, and so you don't want to have to roll the dice there if if you're the Jets because you have to win like right now, like that's their mindset. And so, do you want to roll the dice with the Makai Becton at the same time? If you're the Bengals, this could be a good buy low where you buy low on a guy still on a rookie deal, has one more year left on his rookie contract. And on the flip side, you get rid of that $12.6 million. So you can go add some key pieces, which we can talk about. Are the Bengals... Well, yeah. Done? What would they do with the space? That's the question. Are they done in free agency? We will discuss that. What would they do with the space that Jonah Williams will potentially leave behind if they traded him? We will discuss that next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the tournament heating up, the Sweet 16 right around the corner, and it's the perfect time to get to FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 and bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I don't know about you, Jake. I'm all in on Xavier. Let's go Muskies. Yeah, I'm a Bearcat, no doubt about it, but I'm hoping Xavier makes a run. So hopefully they do, and hopefully you wager on them and get it right by going to FanDuel.com slash on to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back. Again, FanDuel.com slash on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Jeff Hobson wrote his annual Bengals are done with free agency article, not to throw shade at Jeff Hobson, literally not what I'm doing. It is an annual article. He represented the Bengals cap in a way that I disagree with. Um, we, we often interpret the Bengals cap situation differently, Jeff Hobson and I. Uh, so I tweeted my interpretation of the cap in light of Jeff Hobson's article. Now, Jeff is probably getting this information from the team. He has a pretty good pulse. Typically on the high-level direction of the Bengals, that being said, they've operated differently in the last few years than they used to operate. And so the numbers that they quote in this article that, for example, say that they have $9.8 million in cap space, well, yes, if you count all 70 or so players under contract, 17 of which won't be under contract by the time the season comes around, their top 53 cap space 
in fact closer to $16 million, about $15 million if you want to round it in any direction. He quotes a $7.6 million rookie pool. The thing about rookie pools is even though they will cost $7.6 million, that is not a $7.6 million cap hit. It always pushes other players off of the 53-man roster. And so you have to do that displacement to come up with a net cap hit. So if you combine the rookie net cap hit and the practice squad salaries that are going to be expected that, yes, do count against the cap, it's $5.5 million for rookies and the practice squad. That leaves the Bengals just south of $10 million in practical cap space right now. And we've talked about this number. This hasn't changed. The Bengals haven't made any moves since the last time we talked about this number. The caveat is that a Joe Burrow extension could incur, for example, an 8 to $10 million cap hit in 2023. So if the Bengals want to get that extension done, then you can see, okay, they maybe only have $1, $2 million of cap space left to play with, including Mm -hmm. rookies, including extension, including practice squad, including off-season expenses that get added to the cap, these sorts of things. But when you look at what they've got as some of their biggest cap numbers on the team right now, the, the third and fourth biggest cap hits on the team right now, James are Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams. And low Collins isn't too far behind those three guys. Those three cap hits will not in 99% of scenarios be on the Bengals opening day roster as they are currently constituted. Sure. And that's, the part of it. Let's start with Joe Mixon because it's been a hot button topic. Has let's it? just say let let's just say you love Joe Mixon and you want him back at twelve point seven million dollars. This twelve point seven million dollar cap hit. Well, you know why that's dumb? It's dumb because he isn't worth that. Everyone knows it. The whole entire market says it. And I'm not being mean to him, by the way. And this could go towards a Joe Burrow extension or a T Higgins extension or a Logan Wilson extension. It could be rolled over and help the Jamar Chase extension, like. There's so many other things that that money could go towards. It's not a sunk cost that you can't get from under, out from under. And so that's the part of it where it's like, okay, can you just lower that cap hit some, Joe, so we can keep T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow around? So it, it could be as simple as that. It doesn't necessarily mean cut Joe Mixon and fire him. Like everyone has to, to make it out to, to be. So there's one. The Jonah Williams one, that's why trading him – is even remotely a possibility. If he was like Makai Becton on a rookie contract, the Bengals would laugh, literally laugh, and wouldn't even consider, I don't even know if they would consider anything short of a one for Jonah under that scenario. A starting right tackle on a rookie deal, they would laugh at any team that was trying to give him a two or a four or whatever it is. So that's why they would want to move him. And I agree with you. I think that, that that's the, the biggest reason you could see the, the $12.6 million getting moved. But the trio, I would say two of these three guys either have a different cap number or aren't on the team because of trade, cut, whatever. Joe Mixon, Lyle Collins, Jonah Williams. Because if Jonah Williams is the starting right tackle, you're not keeping Lyle Collins as a backup for that money. You're just not. If you trade Jonah Williams... Well, then maybe you keep Lyle around, but you obviously don't have Jonah Williams and you save that 12.6. And then regardless, 
regardless of what happens at that right tackle spot, you at least renegotiate with Joe Mixon. Why? Because of value and because you can use those assets elsewhere. This isn't a hate Joe Mixon thing. This is simply a, do you love T? You want to keep him around? What about Jamar? Joe Burrow? All right, well, this helps do that. And so as much as anything, that uh, th- those three things, I-, I think two of the three happen between now and the start of the season. And, and it wouldn't shock me if two of, three, two of the three happen around the draft or before the draft. So are the Bengals done? Well, if they don't do any of those things you just talked about that we feel are likely to happen in at least some combination or permutation, then they might be done because that would mean they have space for a Joe Burrow extension and that might be it. If they also want to work on a T Higgins extension, then they might need to do one of these other things we're talking about as well, because you could see another five, six, seven million dollars come into 2023 for T Higgins. If they want to do a a Logan Wilson extension, you could see a little bit of money come in to 2023 for Logan Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, so these are some other things internally that could use up some cap space to, to a significant, significant degree, not talking like a, a couple hundred thousand dollars of a net cap hit, like a Cody Ford, like Mitch Wilcox, if he comes back on a vet minimum deal is, is a net $350,000 or so, maybe a little bit less now cap it. We're not mm-hmm. talking about those moves. The Bengals can make as many as those moves really as they want. But when you start to get to three, four, five million, that's where they might be starting to get a little bit limited. But even with those extensions, depending on the way they're structured, of course, even with a couple of those extensions, say they prioritize T and Joe Burrow uh, and, and Higgins, they probably have space to do a Foster Moreau deal. <laughs> you really wonder what's going on with Foster Moreau, though, right? Like it's starting to get a little bit weird. What do you, what do you think about that? Is it yeah. starting to get a little bit weird? It's Wednesday. It is weird. And by the time people see this, this might be, this might yeah, have maybe, maybe he'll have signed, right? But it's still weird. And I just, I'll throw it out there. Is there any way that the Jonah Williams trade negotiation, coupled with a potential extension here or there, see, there isn't. Why? It wouldn't get in the way. Jonah Williams' potential trade wouldn't get in the way of them signing Foster Moreau now. One wouldn't be contingent on the other. They wouldn't tell Moreau to wait a day or two. Right. So I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why that's the case. Uh, maybe it's just intense negotiations, but with Austin Hooper gone, like For the tight end options. I, honestly, Jake, I'm a, a tight end or two from being signed away from seeing if I can – you know, grow a few more inches and eat a few more built bars and throw on some weight and, and see what we can do here. I mean, that's a lot of ifs. It, it well, yeah. Well, there's a lot of ifs in that tight end room, Jake. I mean, I was talking about Jake Fisher. All right. Most of our, yeah, list, why were of you our doing listeners that? didn't even know who Jake Fisher was. Who Jake who? Not Jake Lisko, Jake Fisher. But the point is, and I know most of you did, the point is, is it's almost desperate time. But if you get Foster Moreau, it's not. It just calms everything. And so he's still out there. He's probably the only option left that does that. Unless you want to go after Mercedes Lewis, which I wouldn't be against. I just think they are because he's like Zach Taylor's age. Seriously. That's like a break glass in case of emergency. He, isn't he? Is he older? He's older than Callahan for sure. 
Maybe not for sure. Maybe I don't remember the ages of the Bengals coaches off the top of my head. Yeah, you don't. Uh, so Zach Taylor's 39, Mercedes Lewis is 38. This Okay, what I was looking at said Lewis is 39. So maybe he's 39 this year. Uh, Brian is is 38. Okay. So it could be so, close. So May 19th, 84, June 10th, 84. So yeah, Mercedes is, is old yeah. by a few weeks. All right. Brian. Everybody gets older, man. Anyway. Uh, that that to me is a break glass in case of emergency kind of deal. We we, we talked about Stephen Carter as well. I, I know he's still good, but like for the Bengals, that's another Mercedes one year Lewis deal. Is better than Stephen Carter, I'll say for that. Sure, N- no doubt. <laughs> no one in their right mind would say that Stephen Carter is better than Mercedes <laughs> Lewis. That that that's that's pretty nuts. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because the Bengals have met with him, right? With Stephen Carter, to with Stephen Carter. Yeah. But with Austin Hooper going off the market for pennies, like up to 3.25 million. Do I have that right? Was it 3.75? Three okay. It's 2.75 up to 3.5. Up to so 3.5. up to his max is Hayden Hurst's contract from last year. With the why, why weren't the Bengals? I don't know. In a, at that price. Austin Hooper know. can't go be Hayden Hurst for a year. He's younger. Yes, he could. He could. He could. In this offense, a lot of guys could play tight end in this offense, man. Right. Like those guys aren't that different. Mm-mm. In terms of the production you can get out of them, maybe they have Foster locked up, and they're just waiting. Is that it? Why would it take this long if they did? Maybe they don't want him. But if they don't want him, my God, what are they doing then? Like, what's the two plan? Rookies? Is it that's Drew that's Sample risky. plus rookie? Drew Sample plus two rookies? If that's the plan, I need some Mercedes Lewis in my life. Nick, as Vanette. wild as that sounds, Cam Brait. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm just naming guys like, I don't know. It, I don't see a guy. Zach Gentry. They're familiar with him from the okay. Steelers. Yeah. I mean, that gets you, get you excited. D- does any of this get you excited? Foster Moreau. Yeah. That's it. Ir- Irv Smith. Yeah. Irv Smith is maybe a guy that we should be talking about. He's more, interesting. But- He's got that injury injury history, just like you know. And they haven't they haven't signed guys. They haven't taken flyer injury history guys recently. Like the, Foster Moreau fits exactly what they've done and had success with, mm-hmm. which is weird that they that it isn't done by now. Maybe the maybe the Saints brought in Drew Brees and you know really laid out the red carpet for Foster. Why do Moreau they care if Drew Brees is there? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's, just making it's stuff Derek up. Carr. It's Derek Carr, man pretty simple to me Derek Carr Joe Burrow yeah I mean there's money involved of course it's not that simple sure I don't think the money's that far off maybe it is two million dollars but then make a decision Foster it's been days if that's the case you visit Saturday I don't know what's going on it's weird he could just be waiting like maybe maybe at this point he's like you know what somebody somebody eventually is going to need a tight end and I'm going to be the only guy left and somebody's going to pay me five million dollars instead of four million dollars. I would pay him five. I mean, I would pay him three years, fifteen, easy. But he probably thinks he can get more than that. I don't know. Yeah. All right, I, I have one guy, and it's it's not tight end. All right, where are we going? I've mentioned him a couple times, but the more I think about it, the more it just makes sense. Who am I thinking of? 
Uh, Gronk, Chad Johnson, TJ Hushmanzada. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, no. Tom Brady, keep going. You're just going down the list of favorites. It's yeah, actually what, someone what I've other, mentioned on the pod recently. What other old guys do you like? Jake Fisher, of course. Cedric McWayhe, you've talked about him from time to time. Randy Moss. Sure. What do you got? I think it's time to officially say that the Bengals might be the best fit for Zeke. Oh, this. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. Like, I thought about it more and more, and it's like, he's not getting paid in this market. Ezekiel Elliott's a, a huge name. I get that. But the Bengals are attractive. They're a destination. And he can come in. He's one of the veteran backs remaining, one of the, the lone veteran backs remaining that can come in. He's on the right side of 30 still, even though he's got a lot of miles on those tires. And be a pass blocking Samaj P. Ryan that catches passes out of the backfield and runs it in on the goal line in short yardage. Like he can do all of those things. He, so even if you keep mixing, doesn't Ezekiel Elliott fit what you need? If you can get him on a P Ryan contract, three million. Yeah. Gotcha. I I think it makes a ton of sense. I really do. I think he's still a productive player. He's not good by Zeke standards anymore. Okay. He was an all world running back for a few years. I mean, it's been like four years since but, he was good. But but he's still but he's still a productive player. He's, com- he's a competent running back for sure. Could he do, obviously, P. Ryan's the example, but we just talked about like Austin Hooper, Foster Moreau, all these like tight ends. He could be the Hayden Hurst of the, the running back room for 2023 and just be this competent pass blocker and complimentary piece to Mixon if you want to keep Mixon or the rookie running back if you want to draft a rookie and move on from Mixon. If he's comfortable taking Samaje P. Ryan's role, I feel like you have to be comfortable if you're the Bengals exploring that possibility. I think that's a, a big... If I'm surprised it wasn't Clyde Edwards Alaire. This is uh he's, he's on a I, team. I know he's on a team. But I mean, it's something that I forgot about. I I, I want to credit Paul Daner for this one. I forgot about it until Paul mentioned it on his podcast yesterday. Uh, but that's the trade connection that we obviously talked about. A I trade talked about. Seventh round pick. Come on, man. Seventh round pick swap. Pick swap. Maybe yeah. pick swap. Maybe pick swap. But I mean, Clyde Edwards Delaire is on a, a it's a rookie contract. It's still yeah, it's a rookie first round contract. Right? It's a first round contract. It's not cheap. Yeah. Like it's not, oh I mean the cap hits over three million three point four million. What's what is the yeah. actual cap hit? Do you do you, did you, what did I'm you looking, say? the the cap hit on, on Spotrack is three point four four three million. Okay, but the Bengals don't take all of that. Because because some of that's got to be signing bonus. I'm trying to find uh, it. 1.3. So the what's signing. the salary? 1.3 is the salary? So that's what the Bengals... 1.9 is the base salary. Okay. So that's what the Bengals would take, which is not... 1.9? Okay. Is not a ton. All right. So now, now let's cross the second bridge. Because I think Joe Burrow would, and Jamar Chase would arm wrestle Duke Tobin to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the team. And we know how that's going to go. So if that's the case, it's a seventh round picker. We're waiting until he gets cut, Duke. All right, no, let's arm wrestle for it. All right, give up the seventh rounder. That's what I mean by that exchange. Okay, the Bengals give up the seventh rounder. But the Chiefs really trading with the Bengals? 
Yeah, that's that's the part. That's the big part of it that uh, is hard to get over. Paul made the you same may- point. Like, are the Chiefs? You, you hear Duke Tobin say, "We're not in the business of making other teams better. The Chiefs in the business of appeasing Joe Burrow." If they I release him, then you know. Because if, they don't if have you're a the Chiefs, if you're the Chiefs, the Bengals have. If you're the Chiefs, and I'm saying this so our listeners really, if you're the Chiefs, the the Bengals have the second best quarterback on the planet, and you're going to see them every single year for the foreseeable future. I don't know if I'm going to give him that running back that played so well with Burrow and Chase at LSU mm-hmm. that you spent a first-round pick on him, even though he wasn't – and I like Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Hope he ends up in stripes. That would be fun. Even though he wasn't a special talent, right? He, he was not like this, oh, man, can't miss running back prospects. He was a good prospect and productive, and I, I thought fit pretty well with the Chiefs coming out. But it wasn't like he would, you know, he's not Bijan or or some of these guys that have, no. have been drafted in the first round in the past. And I know he fell to the later part of the first round, but still. It was so, a bad first round pick at the time, frankly. Like it was never a guy, it should not have been a first round pick. I would be in. I would sure. be in. I just wonder if the Chiefs would would want to trade with the Bengals. And that's why I've kind of dismissed it. If they cut him. The Bengals will be the first ones to call, I think. I don't even think it's debatable. He will be subject to waivers, correct, on a rookie deal? Oh, you're probably right. Wow. I'm not sure about that. I don't know how that works exactly. That's a question. Andre Perota, you're listening to this podcast. The fifth-year option's available, Jake. (laughs) Never. Man. Poor running backs. Mamas don't let your kids be running backs. Rather be a long snapper than a running back, man. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire would make sense to answer your question. And a backfield of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Travion Williams, and a rookie would make sense. I think Edwards-Alaire would complement Joe Mixon if you wanted to go that route and just get out of the running back market in the draft altogether this year. I, you could see that. I wouldn't. Which, I, I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying you could. Like if if you renegotiated with Mixon – and you add, added Edwards Alaire, you feel pretty good about that. By the way, maybe that's why Jarek McKinnon's still available. He's obviously a perfect fit in Kansas City. Maybe they're trying to figure out what to do with Edwards Alaire first. Could be. So what's the conclusion here, James? The Bengals are not done. They can't Correct? be done. Can't be done. If they are done, this is another conversation that we're now not going to have time for, which we talked about doing in this show. Boy, does that make the draft feel... High pressure. Well, if if nothing happens, we can have that discussion tomorrow, Jake. Tomorrow or next week? That's the question. Is is that a this week discussion? Like, or is that an after two weeks of free agency? Now you could really see that, you know, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, we'll see if something happens between now and then. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since anything happened. Which is just wild. I mean, all the free agency at this point is quite slow, but it really felt like the Bengals were going to make another move or two or three, like corner, Eli Apple, what's going on? There's a lot of corners. Yeah, there, there are some other corner options for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, we've talked about... Hawk. Who? Marcus Peters. Uh, really? I don't think they'd like him. I'm just saying he's available. I'm saying he's available. And that's like another team signing Eli Apple to some degree, to a lesser degree probably. To a lesser degree. I mean, Marcus Peters degree. hasn't... 
said that the yeah. city stinks or whatever, you know, uh, like hasn't tweeted the stuff Eli's tweeted, man. Oh, Eli. Cancun on three. <laughs> so Eli Apple, what's going on there? Uh, is funny, tight man. end, what's going funny. on there? <laughs> Defensive line, are they going to add a guy there? Those Kalias are the... Campbell. Just yeah, those are the questions. So Campbell, Zeke, or Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Foster Moreau, and a corner. So four moves. All right. That's the wish list. And they're not huge names here. Like Zeke's a big name. He's not going to cost a lot. I, I'm going to be very interested to see what Zeke's contract comes out to. Very interested to see what Odell Beckham's contract ends up as after reports surfaced today that he was asking for 15 to 20 million and then has uh, dropped his asking price since then. I mean, 4.2. That's kidding. what the Bengals have for you. I, again, to reference the Paul Daner tweet, not to repeat too much of Paul Daner stuff, but I thought this was really funny. I was listening to their podcast yesterday. said, what, what's the Bengals type at tight end? Are you tight end comfortable making 3 to $4 million this year in order to make $8 million next year? That's what the Bengals want at tight end this year. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Maybe. It, I think there's a multi-year possibility. with Moreau him. makes sense for multi-years, though. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like the, the Nick Scott of tight ends or the Von Bell of tight ends. Von Bell from 2020, I'm saying, of tight ends. That's what he is to me. Ish. It's not too far off. I get what you're saying there. It's a, it's a solid analogy. Solid solid comparison. That's going to do Man, it for this episode. This show could just keep continuing and going on and on and on until they make a move. We might be talking a while. Yeah. It would be, it'd be one of those uh, streamathons. You ever heard yeah. of those? Oh, you my just, goodness. You just keep going until something happens. Please donate at 1-800. No. Watch us sleep while we wait for the Bengals to do something. Man. Hey, come on now. That, that's what they do sometimes. Do the right thing. I'll, I'll be patient. Just do the right thing. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time or until the Bengals do something, thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one.